All right, if you would, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. They'll continue to... Matthew chapter 2 will still attempt to preach on the theme of Christ's incarnation when he comes into the world as a babe in a manger. But chapter 2 begins with a setting where wise men come seeking the Savior. But let me set something straight real quick before we read our passage. Society in the world has it backwards. If you'll watch most Christmas shows when they show Christ being born in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem, they have the shepherds and the wise men all there together. No. The wise men didn't show up until two years after Jesus was born. Okay? So understand that. And if the world gets that backwards, what else are they going to get backwards concerning the Lord? Amen? Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse one, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, is in the land of Judah, art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." And when Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy, great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Father, thank you for allowing us this time. And Lord, we thank you for those that have come out this morning. Lord, please be with me as I stand. Bring to my mind and memory and remembrance, Lord, those things I've studied. Let me preach with boldness and authority those truths you want me to share. Speak to hearts this morning. I pray, Father, that if there's one here today that doesn't know you and the free pardon of sin, that this will be the day that they trust Jesus before it's too late. Pray for the sick, the afflicted, those it's hard to do, pray for those that have lost loved ones. Lord, comfort them. 
Give them grace in their hour of sorrow. Have your way in this service. Have your way in our hearts. May everything we do honor and glorify you, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Please be seated. As you drive around this time of the year, you'll see on a lot of marquees of churches that say, wise men still seek him. And part of that, okay, is all right, I guess. But here's the thing. None of us seek him. He seeks us. Amen? He seeks us. And I'm glad he does. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for that. But... Notice in the passage we just read of wise men. I will ask you, are you wise today? My wife would say, sometimes you are. Sometimes you're not so bright. She reminds me of that a lot. You know what? I will say in my defense, Lisa had enough sense to marry her. Amen? So you're, you got to give, yeah. Now, back to wise. Lots of folks will say, well, where did these wise men come from? Well, it says from the east. You say, well, how many of them? Well, three of them or even more. We don't know. You say, well, the east, where would that be? Mesopotamia. Around Babylon. That would be east to them folks there in Bethlehem. You say, well, what were they? Well, the word wise men means magi. You see, these were learned men. These were philosophers. These were educators. These were studiers of medicine. These were studiers, believe it or not, of the scriptures. You say, well, how would they study the scriptures? Well, let me just say this before I go show you why I believe this. It's because... They were also a studiers of stars. They were astrologers. You know any astrologers today? I hope you don't. Because the Bible's against soothsaying. The Bible's against going to a fortune teller. And by the way, we got a lot of them people here in this town, don't we? Stay away from them. If you want to know your future, trust Jesus as your Savior and you'll go to heaven. That's your future. Reject him, you'll go to hell. That's your future. Don't spend money for some idiot to tell you they know everything about you. There's only one person that knows everything about us and that's the Lord God. Now, the reason I say they were studiers of the Scripture Scriptures. Remember when God sent the children of Israel into captivity to Babylon for 70 years? You remember that after those 70 years, a lot of them come back. But there were those that stayed. But while they were there in Babylon, Daniel had a whole lot to say about the Lord. Ezekiel wrote the book of Ezekiel. Babylon. Lots of the Psalms were written in Babylon. So you see, they had access to the scriptures. And the Bible says that they followed a star. Turn to Numbers 24 real quick. Numbers 24. 
You probably know this, but I'll just share it with you anyway. Numbers 24. Numbers 24 and... Brother Shiro, read verse 17. Yes, sir. Okay, notice a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It was prophesied that one day, not then, but one day, Christ the Messiah would come into the world. And he would be a ruler. And by the way, he rules everything. And he'll continue to rule Nothing will ever knock him off the throne. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, go back to our text and notice what it says. It says, they came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And as I thought of these wise men, again, we don't know how many. Tradition says there's three. But it could have been many more than that. Understand, when they left to follow the star, they had to climb mountains, go through the desert, ford rivers. They had to huh, probably protect themselves from bandits. I mean, it was a hard way. And many say it was at least two years that they traveled to find the one that would be born king of the Jews. Now, understand with me this morning that they thought it was appropriate and wise to be able to approach this one to be, that was to be born king of the Jews. And my question to you this morning is, have you approached it? Have you done everything in your power to find him, to follow the light and approach him? You see, they went through a lot of stuff just to go. And when they get to Jerusalem, they go to Herod. Now, listen, Herod is a puppet. Yes, he's the king. But he's placed there because of the Romans. And Herod was a wicked, wicked, and I'll go ahead and say it. Anybody with mental issues, I'm sorry, but he was as crazy as you. He was nuts, was he not? He was crazy. How do I know he was crazy? Well, he, he killed his wife and three of his sons because he thought they were going to try to take the throne from him. Not only did he do that, Five days before he died, he killed his other son, Antipater. I'm 
bad at names, but that was his son. Five days before. And then he commanded when he died, you bring in all the nobles of Jerusalem and you kill them. And the question was asked, why would we kill these nobles? I want to make sure there's enough mourners. Understand he was nuts. And they show up inquiring, where is he that's to be born king of the Jews? Well, isn't it amazing? He's five miles from Bethlehem. And he didn't see, and I'm talking about Herod, he didn't see it very important to get up and go five miles to inquire himself. And of course, I'll get in trouble. There's folks sitting on a pew today in churches all over this country and in the world that have all the modern conveniences. They have the word of God. And you know what? Before we throw rocks at hair that won't go five miles, we won't go five steps. Think about that for a second. Sad. Sad. And remember, here are these scribes. These scribes that are supposed to know the word of God. And of course, Herod asks, you heard about this? What king is to be born? And they knew the scriptures and they said, and what is it, Micah 5, 2, is basically what we just read here, that Bethlehem's real small, but out of Bethlehem will be born a king. Understand, even though they supposedly knew the word of God, they weren't smart or wise enough to get up and go inquire of themselves. They just stayed there. I will get in trouble, but there's a lot of folks out there that quote to know the scriptures that don't. I had a couple of them yesterday knock on my door. I was shocked. To be honest, the doorbell ring. I get up. I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> Open the door and I go, oh, hello, sir. What do you think about this world? It's going to hell. But I go, we're going to get a new one one day. Oh, okay, I can agree with that. And he has his little old iPad. He goes, what do you think it takes to go to heaven? And I said, well, that's easy. Jesus is what it takes. He goes, well, yeah, yeah, but he goes, what does a person have to do? I go, a person don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all when he died on the cross to atone for our sins. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I asked him, I said, uh, that thing on your iPad. I go, what translation is that? Because it sure isn't the King James. Oh, well, we don't use the King James. Why would you use that? He goes, that's the King's English. We don't speak the King's English. I said, but we speak English, don't we? I have no problem with the king's English. He goes, oh, that's outdated. I said, sir, I ain't going to change you, and I guarantee you, you ain't going to change me. And I just shut the door. But my point is this. There's lots of folks that 
say they're wise. They got the answers. They don't. And this is what gets me. We have the completed word of God in our hand. We have everything we need to know about the revelation of God to his creation. And why in the world would we look it up on an iPad? Makes you wonder. But these wise men were willing to approach the king. I'm going to ask you, have you approached the king? Are you willing to approach the king? That's my point. Have you sought him? Now, understand, he has to seek us. But the Holy Spirit will convince us that we are sinners and that Christ paid the price on Calvary. And if we exercise just simple faith in him, he'll save us. That's how simple it is. I got a praise this morning. Lori called me into her classroom. My little granddaughter trusted Christ today as her Savior. Cassie asked Jesus into her heart. Now I had to pray with her. And I had to make sure she understood. And she was in tears. And she called on the Lord. Now I rejoice. But she heard the Holy Spirit convicted. She called upon the name of the Lord. That's all there is to it. Now, let me get back to approaching the king because that's what the wise men did. The Bible says that they left Herod and they went and where the star was over the house, that's where the Savior was. And they went in and they found the child with his mother. Okay? So wise men don't only approach Christ, but they also adore him. The Bible says that they fell down and they worshipped him. Do you worship the Lord? Does he accept your worship? That's the key. Will he accept it? You know, coming to church is a good thing and we're commanded to. But we can come through these doors, sit in these pews, and if our hearts aren't right and our minds are on something else, we're not really worshiping him. You don't truly worship him by just showing up. You have to humble yourself. You have to come before him and thank him and praise him for what he's done for you. You see, these magi, these wise men, they were Gentiles. Not only were they Gentiles, but they were probably pagans. But yet they had enough sense to know that's the king. And were willing to bow before him. Have you bowed before him this morning? Have you bowed and said, Lord, Thank you for saving a wretch like me. Thank you for the many blessings every day that you bestow upon me and my family. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of knowing that when I die, I'm going to get to spend eternity with you. 
And when you do that in humbleness and sincerity and you're truly thankful, then the Lord is worshipped. So many times we miss the boat. The psalmist said this, the Lord has done good things to us and for us. And we are glad of it. Look at what he's done. Every single day, if he lets you get up and see another sunrise, that's a good thing. Every single day, if you're married and you have your spouse and your children and your grandchildren, that's a good day. We should be glad of that. If you have a roof over your head, clothes on your back, and a place to call your home where you can sleep and not be on the street, that's a good thing. But most of all, if you have the Lord as your Savior, that's a good thing. It's a great thing. Are you glad of it? These guys knew what they were doing. They followed the star. They didn't let anything keep them from following their mission of finding the one that would be born king of kings, Lord of lords. And I'm sure they were a little surprised when there's the star over the house. They go into the house and the king is a baby about two years old. I'm sure that kind of surprised them. But listen, they knew a king when they saw one. Do you know a king when you see one? Better yet, do you know the king of kings? The Lord of Lords, when you see him. And the Bible says they fell down at his feet and they worshiped him. They were wise, they adored him. But not only did they adore him, they adorned him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And by the way, when it comes to to worshiping the king, we can't meet him empty-handed. We have to bring gifts. And that's what the wise men brought. The gold speaks of him as God, his deity. And by the way, gold is fitting for a king. And in those days, you never approached the king without something to give him. So the wise men the Magi were doing the proper thing and they brought gold. They say Melchior was the one that brought the gold. That was his name. He was the old man you see in the little statutes that has the long gray beard. He presented gold. And I used to think, you know, I mean, gold is proper for a king and I understand that, but, you know, I wonder why. There's got to be something more to it. Well, there was. You see, God the Father knew what he was doing by sending his son into the world to die for our sins. You see, Herod got so angry that he 
had all of those male children, two years and under, killed. And the father, speaking of Father God, had him, the wise men, give gold so that they could flee to Egypt. And after Herod was gone, they could come back. They had the funds to do that. You know, God takes care of everything. To the letter. Aren't you thankful for God like that? I sure am. Now, he presented the gold. The next one was Casper. And he was the one that had the clean-shaven face and ruddy-looking. He presented frankincense. Now, frankincense was a substance that the priests used in sacrifices to God in the temple. And what it did was when they would offer this frankincense, it would bring a sweet, savoring smell for the sacrifice. But the frankincense implied when they gave it to this child, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was a priest. Well, Jesus is our high priest. He is our intercessor. He makes intercession for us and allows us on his behalf to go into the presence of God. You think that was by accident? No. Gold, he's a king. Potentant. Frankincense. He, high priest. And then there is the myrrh. I'm trying to remember his name. It's done slipped by name. Anybody know? Come on. I know you got statues at the house. What is it? Huh? Bow. Thank you. Say it for me again. Thank you. I can't even say it. But he was dark complected. And he brought the myrrh. And the myrrh is what they used back then for embalming a dead body. Understand the myrrh was presented to show that Jesus Christ came into the world to die one day for our sins. It was a picture of what he would do eventually. What a savior, what a sacrifice. Now, the Bible says three things about this. It says they fell at his feet and they worshiped him. Let me just say, when it comes to, we were talking about worship. When we come before God, we have to offer ourselves. Amen? Yes, we're here corporately as a church body to worship and praise the Lord. But individually, we're to worship him. Right? And then it says that they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, true worship is about giving. Giving of oneself. And I'll ask you, when's the last time you gave yourself? You see, I can't offer him gold. I can't offer him frankincense. I can't offer him myrrh. But I can offer him myself. I can offer him 
my ability to serve him. I can offer him my labor. I can give him all of me. And that's all he wants is you and me. And that's what they did. Now, understand, this is what the scriptures says. It says, and he, speaking of Herod, and he sent to them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Well, you know Herod wasn't going to worship him. And when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You remember when you got saved? Did you have joy? Words can't describe. I felt like I was walking off the ground. My sins had been forgiven. The load of sin and guilt had been removed. I had been set free. You see, I hadn't on nothing but like Lazarus, the grave clothes of depravity. I was lost and undone, but the Lord came into my heart and saved me and set me free. And them old grave clothes just disintegrated. And I have never felt anything like it. But I know what it feels like to meet the Savior and for Him to save you. But here's the problem with the modern church today. People will come to the altar. People will say a little prayer. They say they will make a profession of faith. And out those doors they go and you never see them again. It makes me wonder. I don't know their hearts. Only the Lord knows. But listen. When you meet Christ, he makes you brand new. When you meet Christ, you are changed. Your attitude's changed. And your disposition's changed. And your life is changed. And most importantly, your heart is changed. You get a new one. Anybody that's ever been saved has had a heart transplant. Amen. Now, I don't wear a bracelet that says I'm a heart patient. But I am a heart patient. I got a new one. And I don't have to worry about it wearing out, brother. But here's my point. They found him. And when they found him, they worshipped him. They adored him. Wouldn't it be nice this Christmas if the world would recognize and adore him? It's so sad. There's folks out there that don't want nothing to do with him. In fact, they don't know the difference between the Savior of the world and Frosty the Snowman. Amen? It's all about... Can I tell you something? It's not a secular holiday. 
It's a holy day. For us Christians, it is a time to celebrate and worship him for what he did by coming into the world. And let me say something else. You know why Satan hates Christmas and wants to do away with it? Because this is the one day of the year that reminds the world that God loves them and that he sent his son into the world. And he's doing everything to take him out of the equation. We don't want to offend Muslims, so we can't say Merry Christmas. Hooey fooey. Oh, it's happy holidays. No. Merry Christmas. Now, don't get me wrong. The world has taken this holy day and made it a holiday. Just a holiday like we have with Thanksgiving and Memorial Day. Yes, they have their reasons, but those are secular. Christmas is about his birth. He is the reason for the season. And Brother Bill brought it up, and I like what he said. It's his birthday, but we all got the gift. But I wonder how you would feel if it was your birthday. And nobody ever made anything out of it. <laughs> I imagine his heart's broken every year about this time. Because many folks don't believe or they don't want to believe. Now, Real quick, notice what it says here. And it says, They presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. You see, God warned them about Herod's wrath. Hey, you don't want to go back that way. You go another way. Yeah. Let me tell you this morning, God also warns us. God tells us that if you don't repent and you die in your sins, you're going to hell. And I know that's not a popular subject. There's a lot of churches that won't even preach about hell. But there's more in the Bible about hell than there is about heaven. I've talked to Jehovah Witnesses several times. I was shocked they come to my door. This was two different ones. But I, uh, one of the previous times, I said, can you tell me what happens to those that reject Jesus? You call them unrighteous. What happens to unrighteous? Oh, they're annihilated. So what do you mean? They just all burn up? Well, possibly. I said, well, he goes, really? He goes, when a person dies, he, goes, he asked me, he goes, well, what happens when a person dies? I go, well, they either go to be the Lord or they go to hell, separated from God. They go, no, they, they sleep. And I said, I said, now, this isn't the group I talked to yesterday. This is a couple previous times before. I said, 
So you're telling me you believe in soul sleep. Well, yeah, that's what happens when a person dies. I said, that's not in the Bible. I go, absent from the body means present with the Lord. Bible says, the rich man died and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. I said, no, there's no such thing. We have all been warned, just like the Spirit of God warned these wise men in a dream, don't go over that away. He warns us. Be sure that we are saved. Brother Bill brought up a preacher friend of his that dealt with a guy that died and he died lost. That is a sad, sad commentary. You see, no one needs to die and go to hell because Jesus went to the cross so we could be rescued from that danger. But we got to come on his terms. We got to come on his terms. We must accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've been warned. Now, I'll say one more thing and I'll shut up. Herod. Wasn't going to trade or share his kingdom with anyone. And he had quite the wealth. Had lots of stuff that the other people in Jerusalem, his subjects, didn't have and the world would consider him a successful man. Had it all, the world by the tail. The world was his oyster. But understand this morning, if you don't have Jesus, the main thing, then you have nothing. You're a pauper. And I'd rather be a pauper that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior than to have all the world has to offer and then die and go to hell. These wise men were wise. My question to you, are you wise? Have you found Jesus? He's not a child anymore. He grew up and he completed the will of the Father by living a perfect, sinless life to atone on a cross for the sins of all of us in the world. Think about that. Are you wise? Some would say, well, I know some wise men. Do you? Yeah. Okay, who are they? Well, some of them are politicians. Oh, let me talk to you for a little bit. We ain't got no wise men if they're a politician here. Well, some of them are scientists. Some of them are bankers. They're wise when it comes to money and finance. Let me just say, you can be all of those things, but if you don't have Jesus, 
you don't know nothing. You agree with that? I want to be like the Magi and be wise. And praise God. That's right, sister. We don't want to leave this world without him. Thank God that they gave us an example. They followed. Are you following? If you're here under the sound of my voice and you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, he wants to save you and he'll save you. If you're here under the sound of my voice and maybe you're saved, but you kind of grown cold and indifferent, it happens. It happens. Maybe you ain't been worshiping like you should. Coming to the house of God like you should. Reading your Bible like you should. Praying like you should. Living for the Lord like you should. Do you know the good thing about our God is if we'll come and ask him to forgive us, he'll forgive us. He'll forgive us and cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. You can do that. Maybe you're here today and you just want to thank him. I thank him every day. Do you? Lord, I can't believe you'd save this guy. And then, Lord, I'm pastoring one of your churches. I pinch myself. I ain't worthy. I ain't nothing. But thank you for giving me this privilege. But let me tell you about this privilege. It is a privilege. I wouldn't trade my life for nothing. But it's also a responsibility. I know I am accountable to God for myself, for his word, and you know what really scares me? For you. <laughs> you don't have to worry, sister, I don't. Think about this for a second. Or better yet, think about me when you're fixing to do something you ain't supposed to. Not only the Lord, think about your pastor. How's it going to affect him if he sees your car or your truck in front of a one-armed bandit place? Or some honky-tonk? Think about how it affects the church and me, sister. Because I'm accountable for all of y'all. Scares me to death. Especially some of you. Amen. Some of you, I have to spend extra time on my knees. Amen. Lord, dear Lord, help me. But understand something. I do love y'all. And I know you love me. And I know we all love our Lord. And that's what makes it worth it. Amen. So, are you wise? Are you approaching him? Are you adoring him? Oh. Are you adorning him by giving him your best? You know, I said we're supposed to give our time, ourselves, our labor. I left one thing out. I know it'll probably kill some of you because I'm going to shoot you in the wallet. We're supposed to give him our tithes too. And understand, it's not because God needs our money. He owns everything. But understand, 
when we tithe, we're worshiping God. It's worship. It's worship. Again, you tie it all together. This is a time set aside to worship the incarnation of God who left the portals of heaven come into the world in the form of a babe laid in a manger to one day sacrifice himself because he was the only one that could appropriate satisfy the holy demands the requirement for God to say I accept the sacrifice it's good enough and that's exactly what he did he is our propitiation is he not he satisfied all of God's demands aren't you thankful we didn't have to we couldn't we couldn't I'm glad he went to the cross and forged a gap between us sinners and a holy God. We couldn't do it. Father, best I know how, that's the message. Simple, but true, Lord. Father, May we all be wise this morning. And we be wise especially if we know we're lost and we don't know you as our Lord and Savior. May we be wise enough to come to the altar and call upon the name of Jesus and be saved before it's too late. Father, may we be wise enough to worship you in spirit and in truth. May we adore you for what you have done for us in our worship. May we give of ourselves as you gave to the world. If there's one here today that needs to move, may they have liberty to do so. Bless the invitation. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.